Luke chapter 12. Look at verse 1 and 2 tonight. In the meantime, when there was gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is, what's that word? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. In this time period when Christ was ministering, it was one of his perhaps uh, peak moments. A whole multitude of people came, so much that you couldn't even number them. You couldn't even count them. And they were treading upon each other. He, we see that they were following Jesus because they, he would have demonstrated miracles, miracles of healing the blind, the lame. Uh, many multitude of people were healed be, uh, because of Christ and there would have been a big following. He would have fed uh, thousands of people. Uh, remember when he was uh, uh, followed by these people that were hungry and he fed them. And so, you know, just imagine those thousands of people, so many other people following him. And, uh, and they were just trotting on one another just to hear him and follow him. And we know, as we look at Scripture, that many of them were following him for the wrong reasons. But there were 12 that he called and he would minister to them. And he would simply encourage them regarding certain things uh, that will take place in the future. But he gives them a warning here, a caution. He, in this passage, uh, he warns them against the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. I mean, if you think about hypocrisy, you think about a Pharisee. And you think about Pharisee, you think about hip hypocrites. And they were the supreme, if you will, uh, you know, examples of what a Pharisee looked like. You know, that was the very expression of the word, you know. A Pharisee was a hypocrite in that day. And he gives them a warning. So, and you say, what is hypocrisy? <clears throat> what, what is it? Well, from a biblical perspective, it's one that is an actor, one that wears a mask, one that puts on a show, one that is deceitful and also lives a double life. Pharisees looked more spiritual than what they appeared to be. And George MacDonald said, half of the misery in the world comes from trying to look instead of trying to be what one is not. The name that Jesus gave to this practice is hypocrisy, which simply means wearing a mask or playing the actor. We must not think that failure to reach our ideals is hypocrisy because no believer lives up to all that he or she knows or has in the Lord. Hypocrisy, listen to this, is deliberate deception. Trying to make people think we are more spiritual than we are. They were the Pharisees. However, that kind of attitude can rub off on people, can influence people. And here, Jesus gives his disciples warning to beware. And one of the reasons why he addresses them is because hypocrisy is contagious. You know, there are some people that are hypocrites through and through. But there are those that are hypocrites in a, in a way which they are deceived and they fall into hypocrisy. And so in Luke 12 verse 1, we see two things. I'll labor on the first, the caution against the hypocrites. And the second, the corruption of the hypocrites. And so look at the first. He begins to say unto them, first of all, beware. Beware means to be 
uh, caution, take warning, take heed, give diligence to hear, beware. Why is he calling for such sober attendance? For what purpose? Why? Because it does a lot of damage. The second point is we're going to see that the damage it would do, but I'm not going to look at that today, probably touch on it briefly, but it does damage. It ruins people. It ruins people. It destroys people's lives and it destroys the lives of others. Not only your life, but the lives of those that are following you. Yeah, Peter fell prey to this. He fell prey to hypocrisy. Many followed his uh, uh, dissimulation. Many fell for his ways and he led many people astray. Especially those that are preachers. Especially those that are teachers. Especially those that are simply, you know, leaders. Peter was a leader. Remember when he was on the Sea of Tiberias, he said, I'll go fishing, and they said, we're going to go with you. And so the Pharisees and the scribes were leaders in that day. <clears throat> and so Jesus is warning his disciples against their hypocrisy, against these hypocrites. <clears throat> and now we have to understand that Jesus vehemently abhors it. I mean, if there was a sin that Jesus absolutely abhors, it is hypocrisy. It is, it is disgusting in his eyes because the master of hypocrites is who? The devil. He's a masquerader. He's one that simply uh, pretends. He's a deceiver. He's subtle. This is why we're going to see that Jesus calls them serpents, vipers, because they're subtle and they do damage. William MacDonald said, the Pharisee posed as a paragon of virtue. But actually, they were masters of masquerade. They looked the part, but they weren't the part. And so Jesus helps us here, or in other passages, identify what a hypocrite looks like. I'd like to take time tonight to touch on four things. The profession of a hypocrite, the position of a hypocrite, the practice of hypocrites, and also the purpose of the hypocrites. Now, number one, the profession of hypocrites. Go to Mark chapter 7. <clears throat> I believe we can learn a great deal by looking, if you will, into how Jesus exposes the Pharisees. I mean, he did it for a purpose, right? He did it so he can help those not be deceived by their double standard or their double life. Mark chapter 7 and look at verses 1. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from uh, Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, with defiled, that means on defiled hands or unwashed hands, they found fault. <clears throat> For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they washed their hands, oft eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they came from the market, except they washed, they eat not, and many of the other things there be which they had received to hold as the washing of cups and pots and basins and vessels and tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And he answered and said unto them, well, have Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are what? Far from me. How bit in vain do they worship me, teaching for the doctrine and the commandments of men, for they lay aside the commandments of God and hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such alike things ye do. And he said unto them, For well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own 
tradition. Jesus swiftly pointed out their hypocrisy by quoting Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied this. Isaiah prophesied that these people are going to be honoring Christ with their lips and their hearts are far from having a devotion for God. As a matter of fact, to them, hygiene was holiness. They boasted in hygiene, you know, they would not only wash their hands, but from the elbows, they would have been good COVID, you know, observers. <laughs> Mate, they would just wash and they would be simply in their traditions, making sure they were disciplined people. I mean, but they were disciplined in their tradition. They weren't disciplined in keeping the word of God. They weren't disciplined in having a devotion for the word of God. As a matter of fact, their tradition undermined the truth. Now, when you come to a, you know, clash with tradition and truth there's a clash and it's evident which one do you embrace obviously it's the truth but you know why so many people find it hard to embrace the truth because they're not true worshipers of God all they have is profession they're just professors and here we see a bunch of people that profess that they know God and have a devotion for God but they were far from it that's a hypocrite their tradition undermined the truth. Look at verse 13, uh, 15, uh, sorry, verse 13. Making the word of God what? Of none effect through your what? Tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such things ye do. So their traditions and their customs undermine the word of God. <clears throat> verse 15, Jesus makes it clear what really defiles a person. And he says, it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles a person. Listen very clearly. It's what comes out of the heart that actually defiles a person. You want to know what true spiritualism is? You want to know a true devoted uh, you know, person is? One that has a heart that is cleansed. Cleansed. And we know that the only way a heart can be cleansed is by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the only way. To have a disciplined heart is to be under the rule of the Holy Spirit of God. And you can only have that when you're saved. But these people were, were just professors. They didn't really have it. They weren't looking for Christ. They were looking to uh, elevate if they were, their own tradition, their own practices. It's amazing how you can go to churches today and they have their little traditions that overrule Scripture. They overrule Scripture. And they hold on more to their tradition than the Word of God. It's hard to break through sometimes. <clears throat> And uh, number two, the position uh, of the hypocrites, not only the uh, profession, I've got to keep moving because we want to focus on the practice of the hypocrites and there we want to labor for quite some time. So I have to quickly move through this. <clears throat> but the position of the hypocrites, go to Luke chapter 18. You see the famous parable in Luke chapter 18 there. It's important that we see this, that we know it because the hypocrites or the Pharisees were full of themselves. They were self-righteous. They did have a holier-than-thou attitude. And because of that, they looked down at others. They looked down at others. <clears throat> now, there's nothing wrong with that. Being, let me just say, there's nothing wrong with being holy. Thank God for that. There's nothing wrong with uh, our position in holiness and our living in holiness. But it's the attitude of the heart which Jesus looks at. And over here, they had a very bad attitude. Their position of self-righteousness simply was governed by a life that was full of pride. 
And have a look at verse 9. And he spoke this parable. Certain which trusted in themselves that they were what? Righteous and despised others. They despised others. Two men went up in the temple to pray. And one a Pharisee and the other a publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself. God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this scumbag, this publican. doesn't say that, but you can almost hear it in the parable. <clears throat> I fast in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And so this is a proud heart. There's no doubt about it. This is a proud heart that you, and under, you know and understand that God despises. God despises a, a proud heart. Isaiah had the same thing back in his day, and it was revealed to them, even in that day, if you go quickly in Isaiah 65, I want you to see it quickly, just by the way of introduction, I want you to see this, it's very important that we see their position, not only their profession, they were full of themselves, they were full of pride, full of self-righteousness, and they did not even know the God in whom they professed, they didn't know him, I want you to see this, look at verse 1 in Isaiah 65, Isaiah 65, look at verse 1. <clears throat> now this is, this is no doubt referring to how the Gentiles will simply believe on him who were not called by his name. The Gentile nations were not caught. It was the Israel nation that were called. And uh, over here we see Romans chapter 10, the Apostle Paul referred to this verse. He says, I am sought of them that ask not for me. Uh, I am found of them that sought me not. I said, behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. Referring to the Gentiles. Now, this just shows that Israel sought the Lord in a very superficial way. Look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good, after their own what? Thoughts. A people that provoke me to anger continually in my face that sacrifices in gardens and burn incense upon altars of brick, which remain among the graves and lodge in their monuments, which eat swine's flesh, broth of abominable things in their vessels. Were they really observers of the law? Not really. You thought they were, but they really weren't. They were liars. They were deceivers. They were hypocrites. That was their position. But yet they still claimed a righteous disposition. Well, at least to the eyes of men. Look at this. He says, For I am, verse 5, which says, Stand by thyself, come not near me, for I am holier than thou. These are a smoke in my nose, a fire that burneth all the day. You know what God is simply saying about these people that are holier than others, that perceive to them to be holier? You are a smoke in my nose. You're not a sweet-smelling savour. You're an irritation. This disposition irritates God to no end. It really does. And we've got to be very careful that we don't just have a profession and this kind of position if we are going to follow our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see number three, the practice, and this is where we're going to dwell. This is the thrust of the sermon. I've called it learning from the hypocrites. I believe we can learn from them so we don't be like them. Any believer, I don't believe, is a hypocrite through and through, but they can fall into hypocrisy. Judas, hypocrite through and through. 
through and through. His disciples, they, they can, they, they can, they, I mean, some of them fell into hypocrisy, didn't they? And he's trying to help them to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And I think if we're going to do this tonight, we, we must see their practice. Because we look at their practice and we say, we don't want to be like that. I mean, in Mark chapter, sorry, Matthew chapter 6, he gives us a few things and we're going to look at that later on. But I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 23 and see a whole list of practices that Jesus absolutely abhorred and said, woe to. And that's a big thing to actually cast judgment upon them. Woe is really casting judgment. There are about eight woes that he says here. Several times he calls them hypocrites. Several times he calls them blind guides. I mean, you know, this is, you look at this rebuke, if you will, it's heavy. It's a heavy, sharp rebuke to these people. Uh, and we can learn a great deal from, the, from this rebuke. And the Bible says very, very clear, smite a scorner, and the simple will what? Beware. And so what we want to do tonight is beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is what? Hypocrisy. Number one, beware of being a stumbling block. Look at verse 13. Jesus rebukes the scribes and Pharisees because they were hindering people from entering in the kingdom of God. Look at verse 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, ye what? Ye hypocrites! Oh, this is not the meek and mold Jesus that some people want to continue to love and hold to. Well, we do have a meek and mold Jesus but we also have a firm Jesus. Don't, don't let the meek and mild Jesus overrule the other side of his nature, which is his uh, firmness, his boldness, his rebuke. He, he wasn't afraid to rebuke people. And you know what? At times he can rebuke them very honestly because he knew the heart of men. We're limited. But he knew the heart of men, and you know what? He knew their heart that they were trying to deceive people time and time again. They were stage players. They were phonies. And you know, my heart breaks. Why? Because we have so much hypocrisy in the world today coming from Catholicism, and listen, coming from the charismatic movement, and it is absolutely leaven creeping into the church. I'm sick of that. And I will say, whoa, just like at this portion here to that kind, even in my life. Woe is me if I demonstrate any of this kind of hypocrisy in my life. Because Jesus abhors it. It's infectious and it's dangerous to the believer and to the body of Christ. And he deals with it. And he deals with it in front of a multitude of people and his disciples. And I believe it's relevant for us today. We can learn a lot from these eight woes these judgments that are upon the Pharisees who are absolutely hypocrites through and through. The first one is, wow. I mean, they, they didn't even want to go into the kingdom of God and they, they didn't want to let others go in. They were almost like bouncers like this, standing as bouncers. No, you're not going to get it. You're not going to hear the gospel. No, you're not going to know the truth. And you know how they were bouncers? By the way they lived. Because they said something and they lived something else. They said something. I mean, go have a look at verse 1. Matthew chapter uh, 23, verse 1. Jesus spoke to the multitudes 
and his disciples saying, the scribes and Pharisees, sit in Moses' seat, and all therefore whatsoever they bid you, observe that observe and do, but do not after their works. Why? Why? For they say and what? Do not. They bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. <laughs> what, what, what? They didn't practice what they preached. You say, how's that? You know, trying to stop someone from entering in the kingdom of God. Well, if you know the scribes and Pharisees of the day, the people looked up to them. People look up to leaders and teachers and preachers, parents. They look up. Hey, listen, you are an example before those people that are following you. And so this is why he said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, you will no wise enter in the kingdom of heaven. What do you mean exceed? Well, they had some form of righteousness. But it wasn't the righteousness of Christ. Shallow. But it was something that demonstrated what? Action. That spoke. And uh, people followed. And so by their actions, this is why he says, hey, if they sit in Moses' seat and they're teaching, hey, just listen to what they're saying, but don't do what they're doing. For the most part, you know, they distorted the truth, but for the most part, they taught truth and that truth that which they taught, obey, but not the distorted truth and surely not the way they live. Because the way they live is not matching the way they preach. That's heavy. You know, one of the ways in which we can learn from this, I mean, what's the lesson learned? Well, the lesson learned from this is we must practice what we preach, what we teach, even to our little children. You know, the Bible says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You know, one of the greatest things that you know, uh, can ruin our children's lives is, is, and cause bitterness in their heart and wrath is when you and I live a double life before them. We preach something, we teach them, and all of a sudden we're acting completely different. I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, when you see that, you're like, ah. When you see that in the life of, okay, let me just say this. Why aren't people coming to churches today? What's their golden excuse? Oh, there's too many hypocrites in the church. And for the most part, yeah, I guess you're right. Because all you hear is people talking and saying and preaching, but they don't do it. They don't live it out. By the way, we've got a lot of teaching out in the world today, and you hear it on YouTube here and there, but how many, how many of that teaching do you see it lived out on the street? You can hear sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon, but is it lived out? Do our kids have an example for, to say, okay, this is truth lived out. This is truth. It's not confusing. Well, they were confusing. And by the way, we were in Israel about two, three years ago, and we are handing out gospel tracts, and a rabbi got a hold of us. And he saw what it was, and it was obviously gospel pamphlets. And he made sure to follow Buddy and I everywhere we went, and, uh, and, and made sure that the gospel tract that we gave to somebody he would take it, he would literally snatch it out of their hands and tear it up and then continue to follow us. And I thought if anyone exhibited something that was actually literal before me, it was that. 
But you know what? We can actually exhibit this in how we live. Our lives ought not to be confusing to the world. When we say we are Christians and we, we, we you know, preach the gospel, they ought to see it. They ought to see the gospel lived. I know we're not you know, bound by social gospel, and I'm not for that, but I'm saying there's an element of truth, amen? We must practice what we preach. We must be a light and a salt to the earth. We must not be confusing. Well, these people were confusing by the lives that they lived. Have a look at number two. Beware of putting on a show, verse 14. Jesus rebukes them for acting spiritual and talk, taking advantage of feeble and vulnerable widows. Look at verse 14. Woe unto you, you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses. What's devour mean? You eat up. <clears throat> and for, a, look at this, pretense. What does that mean? For a show. You make long prayer, and therefore you shall receive, look at this, the greater damnation. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying, and there's certainly nothing wrong with praying long. But when you're doing it for a show to influence vulnerable people, to say, oh, wow, look at this. How much do you want? How much? You know, they're just taking advantage of poor widows. Poor widows. I mean, if they're taking advantage of poor widows, who else are they taking advantage of? So, what's the hypocrisy here? They'll betray that they were spiritual by praying long-winded prayers, and they would sound spiritual to deceive people. What's the lesson learned for us? Well, don't be like these hypocrites and put on a show. Uh, Christians can be more focused on their prayer and sounding pious than focused on praying to God and their petition being answered. We need to be very careful that we don't fall into that trap and we sound pious and sound biblical and it's all about what we're going to say next because that could happen, right? We should be very careful that we're actually, hey, we're, in, we're talking to God. And not only talking to God, we want this prayer answered. If you stumble in your prayer and it doesn't come out right, God still hears it. I mean, you can go and practice your pious prayers and, and sound, and there's nothing wrong with sounding biblical in your prayers and all the rest of that. Don't get it wrong. And listen, there's nothing wrong with praying. We're going to see that later on, uh, you know, in public. But it's the attitude again. Why are you doing it? For what motive? And so I guess we're learning, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't just pray to put on a show. There's a purpose in praying, and the praying to seek God about something. <clears throat> uh, have a look at number three. Beware of a shallow soul winning. Look at verse 15. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Man, these guys were evangelists, if you want to put it that way. Not with the good news, but with the bad news. Yeah, they evangelized. I mean, sound familiar today? Who evangelizes? Who's diligent on, on doing these ones? Uh, ironically today, people are being so deceived to even believe that Jehovah's Witnesses are part of the kingdom of God. Because of their diligence. Because of their passion. And yeah, they do put some Christians to shame. But again, why are they doing what they're doing? Uh, what was their hypocrisy? What were they simply trying to do? Well, they were trying to proselyte 
turning Gentiles into Jews. How? Circumcising them? Man, only if they can circumcise them. And if we, we get them circumcised, that's it. I mean, you know, Paul said, did this to the Galatians. He says, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. Only lest they should suffer the persecution for the cross of Christ. They want to boast in the fact that they made a convert by circumcising them. This is similar in the uh, Islamic world. I've seen it happen in Parramatta. They get someone to say a prayer in a language that they don't understand. And they say, takbir, that means... Hey, we got another one into the kingdom of the Islam world. Yeah. Hey, Jewish, Jehovah's, or, 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 or to make a show in the flesh. What's the lesson for us? Hey, listen, you think we are exempt? You think our Christendom and evangelism is exempt when we're trying to count numbers and say how many people put their hand up and they said the sinner's prayer? How many people say the sinner's prayer today and they count it as a convert? And how many people are deceived in saying a prayer? Now, I'm not saying anything wrong with you praying sincerely the sinner's prayer and getting saved. I know people that have. But I'm talking about those people that mislead people, children, older people. Say this prayer. You said the prayer, you're saved. And they believe it. How many people believe in a banking on the sinner's prayer for their salvation? But there's no change in their life. There's no love for God. There's no new creature operating. It's like the a mimic of circumcision. How many people want to get people baptized? I said, a lady on the street, this is the other day. I said, are you saved? She said, yeah. I said, when did you get saved? She goes, when I got baptized. I said, why did you get baptized? She goes, well, I, you know, a new start. Wanted to get a new start. I said, if you were to die and, and the angels ushered you up to the pearly gates and God stopped you at the door and he said, why should I let you in? What would you say? She said, oh, I don't know. never thought about that why'd you get baptized because those people that get people baptized are thinking hey they got baptized they're done they're there and, and what what have they done they give them a false assurance i had a false assurance because i thought I was christened as a baby i thought i was going to heaven because i was a you know christened i'm part of the christian uh, if you said to me are you a muslim i said no, no are you a christian i said yeah, yeah i'm not a muslim I'm not a not a buddhist i'm a christian why? Because from a little baby, they christened me, and I went through all the rituals and traditions thinking that I was a Christian when I wasn't. And when I got saved, I called up my religious Catholic teacher, and I said to him, guess what? He says, what? I said, I got saved. He goes, no, Charlie, you were always saved. You were always a Christian, sorry. He says, you were always a Christian. I said, I got saved, became a Christian. He goes, no, you were always a Christian. He was trying to convince me that I was always a Christian, and I knew I wasn't. Deadly. Hypocrites send people to hell. Paul says that uh, for in Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. A new creature. Someone that's truly born again. They seem, they, what was the hypocrisy? They seem that they had a passion for souls, but all they cared about was a passion for self-glory. They gloried in the fact that they got someone circumcised. The lesson for us is we should preach the pure gospel and the whole council. For repentance, sin, saviour, everything. Everything that the gospel, you know, portrays. Leave nothing out. Don't lead people prematurely. 
Make sure you share the whole truth. Don't make people think that they're okay when they're not. Not everyone that says that they're a believer are believers. If you're not sure, pray for them. If there's a question mark, there's a reason why you're doubting. Uh, you should know them by their fruits. You know, we don't want to enter into this round because therefore we're feeling like we're judgmental. Now, why do people refrain from telling others what they see? Why? Because we're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of simply being rejected because we want to be accepted. And I'm not talking about come hard. I'm not talking about be rude and crude. But when the truth needs to be told, the truth needs to be told. You know what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Plain? Very specifically, he said this. He says, Woe unto you, when all men shall speak well of you, so did their fathers to the false prophets. Why? Because they never told the truth. You start telling the truth about people's sinful condition, you trying to challenge them about where they stand with God, you're going to be almost like an enemy. But you know what? It's for their good. It's for their good. How many times I've told people, are you sure you're saved? Are you sure that you're a Christian? Are you 100% that if you died today, you'd get to heaven and it would just rattles them? But rather than be rattled, than being comfortable in a false profession and go to hell. Amen. Make sure you don't get sucked into debates, endless debates. Because you can get sucked into endless debates and not even share the gospel. You won a debate but lost a soul. We're not here to win debates. We're here to point them to Christ. We're here to tell them about how they can get saved. Uh, listen, let me tell you something. Make sure you're not giving false impressions to people that they need to give up their sin in order to get saved because they can't. That's why they need salvation. Point their sin and then tell them about a saviour. You know, my dad was a kind of alcoholic. And I knew that drinking was a problem for him, but that wasn't the big problem. What was the problem? He wasn't saved. That's why he was an alcoholic. And if I labor on the fact that you've got to give up the drink, you've got to give up the drink, this is no good, this is an abomination of the law. And it is. And he, let's just say he gave up the drink. And he died, he's still going to hell. But I'll tell him, Dad, you know why you need the Lord? Because you're a drunkard. You need to get saved. But I didn't labor on that. I labored on the fact that he needed to get right with God. And then, praise God, he got right with God. And he kicked the drink after time. Didn't happen straight away, but he got convicted after those few sips. I mean, isn't that what you're supposed to happen if the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God lives in you? You kind of get convicted, don't you? Unless you're trying to justify it. I mean, I was there, I was trying to justify it for, for a long time. I'm not going to go and say how alcohol is wicked and one drink and two drink, but I'm just talking about salvation here. I'm talking about, listen, people need to hear the pure gospel. It is the power of God under salvation to anyone that believes. The gospel is key. Number four, beware of making promises in a dishonest manner. Have a look at verse 16. Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, whosoever shall swear by the temple, it's nothing. Oh, really? So you can break your promise as long as it's sworn by the temple. Right? Uh, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he's a debtor. He's guilty. Seriously? Like, what's the temple or the gold on the temple has got any difference? You made a promise, keep it. That's the whole point of what he's trying to say. You're just a blind guide. You're blind. 
They're misleading people. That's what they're trying to do. It's like if you make a... It was almost like they always wanted a clause in the contract. Just so they can kind of get out if they needed to get out of their vows or their promises. Yeah, that was by the temple. wasn't by the gold. No, it wasn't on the gift. And he just exposes them. Hey, an oath, a promise is a promise. Keep to it. Keep to it. He says, you fools and blind. For whether is greater, the gold or the temple that is sacrificed... Sacrifice, sanctified the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the temple, is it nothing? But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty? Ye fools, ye blind. For whether is greater the gift on the or the altar that sanctified the gift? Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and by all things thereon. And whosoever swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that sweareth by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. What's the hypocrisy here? They look like they had some sort of integrity. Oh, I'm making a promise, I'm going to keep to this. Really? Hypocrisy, they, really, they don't really care about the oath. They don't care about the promise. And what's our lesson? Keep to our promises. From your marriage covenant, listen, to your commitments that you make every day. You tell someone that you're going to promise them to do something and you're going to just do it. Keep your word. You don't necessarily say, you know, I didn't say, oh, you know, God is my witness. I, I say that when I really want to emphasize something. I say, God is my witness. But when you say something that you promise someone to do something, listen, do it. Do it. Don't make any excuses. That's the lesson that we can learn. Don't be a hypocrite. Hey, you need to be a man and a woman of your word. When you say something, you keep to that. You keep to it. People ought to look at you and say, there's integrity in that person. And I, listen, I'm not straining out of that here, but I'm even saying, hey, if you're, if you're going somewhere and you're going to be late, give them a call, send them the text, tell them you're late. That would just... Lift up your integrity. I know the person should know that, hey, there's probably traffic, something happened. You know, we're not being immature here, but I'm just saying from our part, take the initiative to hold your integrity. You know, some people just don't care. They don't care about it. You know why? Because they don't care about truth. Somewhere along the line, they've dropped the ball. Somewhere along the line, they have been used to playing the hypocrite. And listen, it's become normal. And that's a dangerous place to be. When sin and lies and dishonesty becomes normal. Don't you think? It's a dangerous place to be. I think so. Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which he, thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. You're better off not saying something and you're not going to keep up to it. When you make a vow, when you make a promise, when you make a commitment, keep your commitment. Number five, beware of having the wrong focus. I'm going to fly through these for the sake of time. Look at verse 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Now, can you imagine just being there in that time when Jesus is going for it? Like, seriously, what a sight. Man, I don't know about you, but I'll be cringing for them. <laughs> like, I'll be just sneaking in my little, oh, this is a bit uncomfortable. Like, what a sight. But what conviction to have and learn from this. 
I mean, I don't know about you, but he's damning them to hell. You, whoa, your judgment, damnation, greater judgment. I don't, my heart will just be shaking. I don't, I, when I was doing this, I wanted to throw up. I, I was getting sick just, just looking at this because the conviction in my heart. Imagine being there. Like, imagine just being there. Like, seriously. Oh. He says this, For ye pay tithes of mint and anise and cumin. You, know, you, you do your tithing well. Instead of just, they weighed their tithing. I mean, even their herbs. <clears throat> you, know, you know, just their herbs, they weighed it, you know. Just grab a, just give more, don't you? You know, just grab a whole heap and say, just give more. But they just weighed everything. And I thought by doing so, they're getting things in order. They're being very disciplined. Uh, they prided themselves in that, but look what he says. You have omitted. What does that mean? You've left out. You've laid aside. What is it? The weightier matters of the law. What is it? Judgment, mercy, faith. These ought you have done and not to leave the other under. He's not simply, uh, you know, uh, undermining tithing or giving. He's just saying, hey, that's fine, but the weightier matter of the law, you've left that out. You've, you've left that out at the wrong focus. They were more disciplined in tithing than the truths and the weightier matters of the law, the scripture. He says in verse 24, ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. So when they would drink something, they'll make sure that that insect would not, you know, they would not swallow it. They would probably strain it with their teeth if they saw it or cloth. They wouldn't want to drink that little insect. You know, just go ahead and drink it. Just close your eyes. It's just, it's just a little in insect. But they wouldn't. I wouldn't even dare touch it. I would make sure, just, no, we can't have that in my body. It's going to defile me. But they'll eat an unclean animal like a camel. But that, is just, that should just portray what kind of hypocrisy that Jesus exposes here. What kind of hypocrisy that he actually brings out over here. Yeah. <clears throat> They seem to be disciplined in their commitments, but they left out the weightier matters of the law. What's the lesson? We should esteem those things which God esteems. What are they? Judgment. What is that? Well, judgment is simply being uh, a man of uh, justice, a man that cares about what truth is. Uh, a lady that's on the side of truth, justice, judgment, righteous judgments. The Bible makes it clear, he that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the just, even they are an abomination unto the Lord. You know, God is disgusted when we make wrong judgments. And especially overthrowing the just to absolutely, uh, you know, give favor to the wicked. Now, he also says in Proverbs 18 verse 5, it's not good to accept the purses of the wicked to overthrow the righteous in judgment. God cares about judgment. God cares about righteous judgment. God cares about justice. People usually side with those that are simply uh, on their side or biased. Don't be biased about the truth. Love justice. Love judgment. Be a man of truth. Be a woman of truth. Doesn't matter who it is. Stand on the side of truth. Mercy is the next one. Love, compassion, kindness, forgiveness. Remember, service with no love is a noise. 
We looked at that, 1 Corinthians 13. When Jesus sought out sinners and he preached the gospel to them and he ate with them, he was accused of what? Eating with publicans and sinners. You know what he said to them? He said in Matthew 9, but he said that they which are whole need not a physician, but they that are what? Sick. He says, go and learn what this means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Go learn. Go make your way and learn what it is. Yeah, but I've tithe. I give. No, no. Good. Good sacrifice. But go learn what this means. Go learn what mercy means. Forgiveness. Go learn what it means to show compassion upon the lost. Number three, faith. Weightier matters of the law? Well, excuse me, trusting God is a weightier matter. Believing this book is a weightier matter. Believing God's integrity is a weightier matter. Yeah, not doubting God is a weighting matter. Not, not accusing God is a weighting matter. Not charging God foolishly is a weighting matter. Trusting and having faith in God and His ways are weightier matters. Not undermining the Word of God or God Himself or His character. In John chapter 6, they came to him, his disciples, and they said, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. That's a weightier matter, to believe on the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you think? Yeah, but I tithe, I give, and I do. It's not going to be good enough to get to heaven. Number six, beware of having mixed priorities. Have a look at verse 25. What one of you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you may clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within are full of what? Extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, clean first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. They sought the wrong priorities. They emphasized on the outward more than the inward. They looked the part. That was the hypocrisy, but they were not the part. They looked apart. Well, what's our lesson? Put first thing first. You know, Jesus never undermined the outward. He just says, get the, get, it in, get, get the order right. First thing first. Get the heart right, and then everything will follow after that. People like using this to say, it's all about the heart, it's all about the heart. Let me just say, it is about the heart. But outward actions do matter. But to the Pharisees, they were looking more pious than anything else. God wants us to be faithful, Amen. full of faith, Amen. honest, integrity in our heart. And listen, that would just simply, listen, flow. In other words, you're not just going to be pious and faithful and honest when you're around people. You're going to be faithful and honest and full of integrity when no one's watching. That's where, by the way, that's where true character is tested when no one's looking. Because anyone can put their Bible under their arm and look past. And you know what? We're living in a generation now that people don't even want to look the part. Yeah, they don't even want to look the part. And I'm not just saying look the part. Hey, be the part and look the part. Praise God, there's nothing wrong with that. But you have people that don't even care anymore. They're just so rebels through and through. Rebels through and through. They don't care about it. I don't care what you think about me, but you should care. Don't go to the other extreme and not uh, care, care. You're a testimony. You're a testimony for God. We've got people, they go to the other extreme. I don't care what people say about me. 
Yeah, you should care about what God thinks of you, no doubt. Because hypocrisy is when you care more about what people think of you than what God thinks of you. And I agree with that. But you should have respect and be a testimony. I just thought I'd add one in. I think it's important. Because we can go to the other extreme. I don't really care. Give honour where honour is due. Respect, you know, those that need to be respected. But we're living in a generation just don't care anymore. It's like they're giving up. They're done. You know why? Because the fire's not here. That's why they're sick of playing the hypocrite. And I agree with you. Don't play the hypocrite. Be the part. Be the real deal. And let God work in your heart. Amen? Number seven. Beware of being deceitful. Look at verse 27. Why one of you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites? For ye are like whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are full of dead men's bones and all, what is it? Uncleanness. Wow. So from the outside, you're looking pretty good. But from the inside, you're a dead corpus. You're a dead corpus. What? what, what? What was the hypocrisy? They were just pretenders. Just pretenders. They were full of dead men's bones. What's that? It's just a stench. Have you ever, I don't know if you heard about the news the other day. Uh, there was a man that was, I think it was a man that tra was trapped in his car for four days. No one knew about it. Four days. No one knew about it. You know how they found out? The stench was overwhelming that absolutely came. They, they, they were actually, the people that were interviewed by the news reporters, they said it was a smell that we've, like, they, they've never smelt before. It was just a stench. Have you ever smelt a dead corpus? Maybe as far as you, you've gone, maybe a dead cat that's been run over? It, it stinks. And so in, the, in, in God's nostril, there was a stench here. Even though they looked beautiful from the outside, from the inside, they were dead men's bones. What's the lesson? Be the part. Just don't be the part. Excuse me. Don't just look the part. Be the part. Be the part. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being a Christian outwardly. I'm going to profess Christ to the day I die and I'm not going to be ashamed of it. Absolutely. People are going to say, oh, look at him, he's just for sure. You can say all you want. I know why I'm doing it. I want to be the part. I want to look the part. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I want them to say they've been with Jesus. He knows Christ. He's glorifying God. He's a salt and a light to glorify God. I'm not ashamed of that. But I want to make sure that inside I am what I say I am. I'm a Christian. And I want to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. And I believe every single person ought to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. You know who tries to dim down? Your gospel light and your shining forth, not only your saltiness, but the light. And by the way, he says it in verse 3 of, of, of Luke chapter 12. This is for another time, but he says it there to go and shine. Tell it upon the rooftops. Don't be afraid and you'll be persecuted for it, no doubt. But I'm not going to let the carnal Christian and I'm not going to let the heathen put out the fire in my life. Amen. Yeah, I'm not going to let it do it. They can be disgusted and they can look at me like a Pharisee. No problem. No problem. Yep. Number eight. Beware of being fake. Look at verse 29. Why one of you scribes and Pharisees? You're hypocrites. Because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous. 
and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. We wouldn't kill them. We'd not stoned them. Mm. Verse 31, Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves, that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can ye escape the damnation of hell? You're not going to escape it. It's coming. Your fakes, your phonies, you are actually pretending that you're for the prophets when indeed you're not. You're for Isaiah? You're for Jeremiah? Go read their books. Talking about peace preachers of the day. They'll put any one of us here to shame. They were thunders in prophesying God's truth. They were fearless and bold. And they didn't like it. Why? Because they always told the truth and they were stoned for it. And the Christian today that always tells the truth will be stoned for it. Maybe not physically, but I'm sure if they can get those stones and, 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 the, and the law permitted it, they'll do it. I'm telling you, if there was a law one day that they permitted to stone Christians, mate, there'll be a lot of bloodshed on the street. Wouldn't, wouldn't there? Wouldn't there? Uh, you're not for the prophets. Oh, we're cleaning up their tombs. We, we love the prophets. This is where Isaiah died. We love it. Yeah, right. Inside, you're haters of the truth. You're making out you're for the truth, but inside, there's no truth in you. These are liars. These are hypocrites. These are deceivers. And Jesus just really just lays it into them. The scribes and Pharisees were pretenders. What, what, do, we, what do we learn from this? Let's not be pretenders. Let's love the truth with all our heart. Proverbs, he that hideth hatred with lying lips. Don't, hate, don't hide hatred with lying lips. Uh, Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat, drink, saith to thee, but his heart is not with thee. What's he saying here? Well, you, whatever you say that comes out of your mouth, you might say, hey, come, enjoy a meal with me. But his heart is not with you. So really, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. He doesn't really care about being with you. He invites you over. He wants to, but he doesn't really care. Inside, he doesn't really care. Well, this is these people. They don't really care about the prophets. They look like they care. They're cleaning of the, of the yeah, but no, in deep down inside, they didn't care. And so you really, you know, you, you are what you think and what you think about people here. And we need to be very careful that we don't act upon wrong thinking and we lay it aside and we say, we don't want to think like that. I want to have pure, fervent love for others, for the truth and for others. Amen? Amen. Now, we can just simply say talk is cheap. You demonstrate something to someone, but your heart, you're not really exhibiting what you are saying. And so you're deceiving that person. That person thinks that you're, you're okay, but your heart is not okay with them. That's bad. You're, giving, you're actually giving a, a false impression of how you feel about that person. Side note, if you have a problem with someone, the best thing that you can do is tell them. Is that right? Just tell them. If you're struggling to see whether this is genuine or not, or should I, shouldn't I, go pray about it. Go pray about it. And don't make something, and this is swallowing it, you know, I forgot to even elaborate on that. An insect that would strain at a gnat and swallow a camel, 
they would make something so little so big. And the big matter, the weightier matters, they'll just lay aside. Nah, don't worry about that. The things that you need to worry about, the things that are concerning to address, they wouldn't address it. But the little insect, they'd make a big deal about it. The little problem, like just having dirty hands while eating, like is that a problem really? Is it a problem? They probably washed their hands, but not like they liked to think they washed. You've got to wash like this. It's like this, and then it's like this. They probably just, you know, a little bit like that and thought, hey, this is not how you do it. Well, what's the purpose of the hypocrites? I know I'm going too long. What was the purpose? Why did they do this? Why did they do this? Have a look at verse 28. He, he reveals it. He says, Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto, unto who? Men. But within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. So outwardly, you appear righteous to men. Look at verse 5 in Matthew 23. But all their works they do to be seen of men. So what was their purpose of these hypocrites? They were just wanting them to be men pleasers. Just want to put a show for men. If you go to Matthew chapter 6, in their giving, he says, don't do what these hypocrites do. Don't give and sound the trumpet. In uh, Matthew chapter 6 verse 5, in their praying, he says, when you pray, don't be like these hypocrites who want to be seen. Go play in your, in your closet. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with praying publicly, but he was making, a, you know, I guess, <clears throat> I'll put it like this, a point that don't put a show. Uh, if you want to fast, he, in verse 16 in Matthew chapter 6, is when you fast, wash your face. Don't, be a, don't put on a sad countenance so someone can ask you, what's wrong? And so you can tell them, I'm just fasting. Don't do it for, for men. Don't pray for men. Don't give for men. Don't fast for men. Don't do all this for men. Do it for God. God's watching. He sees everything. You'll fall in the great snare when you start acting pious for men. But when you do it for God, God in secret will reward you. The whole purpose of these hypocrites will just put on a show. They love to be greeted in the marketplace. They love the solitations. They love the upper, the, 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 the VIP rooms. The preacher boys. I'm in the VIP. They wanted to be... Hey, we've got a prophet. His name's Jesus. He's coming over. Well, what about this sinner? Nah, get out of here. I'll just hang around with those that are prominent. That's what the Pharisees were. Supreme, prominent, eat your heart out. They just wanted the recognition. They didn't care. Only but for themselves. Wanted the praise of men. That was their purpose. Now, I don't have time to labor on the corruption of the hypocrites, but go back to... Luke chapter 12 and verse 1 and we're done. Just to make a few points and we're done. He says this. He began to say unto his disciples, first of all, beware of the what? What's that word? Leaven. Beware of the leaven. What's leaven? It's like yeast that spreads, doesn't it? Well, he's saying beware of that leaven, that yeast that spreads. It starts small, but then it grows quietly and quickly. Beware. Get on it straight away. 
Because once you let it in, my friend, you're gone. You're gone. And listen, it's that deceptive that you don't even know you're in it. And it's covered by your pious actions in praying and fasting and all the activities that you do for God, but you're really doing it for men. It's creeping in. Hypocrisy, someone said this, hypocrisy does to the ego what yeast does to the bread dough. It puffs up. <clears throat> Trap says, such is hypocrisy, which is also leaven. One, it spreads. Two, it swells. Three, it sours. It spreads. It's, it, 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 it's infectious. It's co contagious. Listen, it's destructive. It ruins your life and those that are around you. It spreads quickly. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 9, A hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor, but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. I can't labor on that. Don't have time. Maybe next time. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. And he's talking about the doctrine of the resurrection. It creeps in and it spreads. But with God's wisdom, we can detect it and lay it aside. You know why? Because the Bible says in the book of Proverbs very clearly, through knowledge shall a just man be delivered. Though it be destructive, I can pinpoint it. So I'm not going to let that infect me and I'm not going to infect others with it because it can happen. He says in verse 2, For there is nothing covered that should not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Now this is a sober warning from the Lord. Listen, it's all going to come out. Everything that is done in secret is going to come out. God's going to reveal it in time, if not in this time, in judgment time. That should be a sober warning for us, don't you think? You know the greatest cause for falling into hypocrisy? is when we have our eyes on others and not on God. When we look at others and we want to please them and we're not really pleasing God. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to love others and respect others and serve others. But ultimately, we're, we're doing it for God's glory, not as Amen. man pleases, Amen. but God's glory. Yes, when you look at others and you're not looking on the Lord, who is the author and the finisher of your faith, you're going to err. I was in uh, Toronto, and we were backing up for soul winning. And I was looking at a car. It's one of those, you know, parking lots where you have to actually reverse park. And it's on an angle. I don't like them. It's, you know, you just sometimes have to open the door to see whether you, if you park properly or whatever. Anyway, I'm not an expert on that one. But I look at the car next to me, and I judge it by the car next to me. This is how I, I, I attempt to do it. I, I figured that the car next to me got it right, and then I'm going to copy him. And this is what happened. This is what happened. Crooked. I ended up crooked. He went crooked. I went crooked. Why? Because I was just trying to copy him. I was just trying to see him and then I'll say, okay, I'll, I'll just do what he did and then I ended up crooked. But I guarantee you, when you keep your eyes on the Lord, you won't end up crooked. 
when you keep your eyes on the Word and on God and on your spirit and on your motive and what, and the, and, and what God is doing in your, in your life and you're looking at God and you're being beware, you're beware, beware, be caution, warning, you, you, won't, you won't end up crooked. I'm telling you now. But when you look at men and you look at men and men and you jump from one man, another man, this person, please this person, that person, you're going to end up crooked. So never end any cycle of hypocrisy. We need to be looking on the Lord, the author and the finisher of our faith. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Let's pray.